Hello and welcome to Do Anything Better, the podcast where I interview guests to understand what it takes to get better at the everyday things students do and face. I'm your host, Arisa Nurdina, a year two, soon to be three, statistical data science student, and I'm currently watching Doro Hedoro on Netflix for the third time around. Today, we're talking about the big baddie of all knowledge, books. So we all know the benefits of reading. While there is nothing wrong with, you know, reading any form of anything really, from manga to fiction to non-fiction, today we'll be talking about, like I said, learning from reading, and specifically we'll be talking about the books that we've read recently. Joining me today is my friend and our repeat guest, David. Hi David, welcome back to the show. Hi Arisa, so glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Ah, oh, thanks for coming on. So, for our new listeners who may not have heard you from our previous episode, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. So, hi everyone. I am David. I'm in year two, actuarial science, going to year three. And the thing about books is that I actually have about three cardboard boxes filled with books across my room. So, I have done a fair share of reading. That's fantastic. Are there many books that you haven't read on in those boxes? About half of the books. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's me. Like, one day I'll probably give a tour of my entire bookshelf and I will shamefully point out the books that I have read, which honestly isn't a lot. I like to hoard books, unfortunately. It's for the aesthetic. So, David, you and I will be sharing two books today. I will be talking about Show Your Work by Austin Cleon and and I'll be talking about uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen R. Covey. Wonderful. So, let's get started. So, David, would you say you read a lot? Do you consider yourself a reader? Is, reading, is reading a habit of yours? Okay, so I've had like a very long mixed relationship with reading. And I think the earliest count I have of it is in primary, not primary school, kindergarten. Where we okay. had those uh, Peter and Jane, like Ladybug, I don't know, storybooks. With a picture on one side and the words on the other side and I remember I wasn't really a fan of those because my kindergarten teacher you know would ask us to read it and then copy the words down and have lists and lists mm-hmm. of words to copy and I never did <laughs> I never did the homework and then I ended up having to like copy it off of someone else then you know that was I did I wasn't really a fan of reading then and I probably wasn't for most of my primary school and then comes secondary school where I started reading storybooks I picked up one I don't remember from where I think it was from Big Bad Wolf. I picked up a storybook and I fell down a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> and at my peak, I probably finished like a 500 page book in one day, somehow, on a school day. How often would you say like you read? In, take that as whatever context as you want. Would you say you read every day? How do you inculcate it into your routine? Okay, so recently, in the last about two months, I've been reading every day. And how I started was, actually I read this book called The Miracle Morning. I first heard of it on a podcast and then I thought, oh wow, this is an interesting book. And I got myself a copy, virtual, like a digital copy, and you know, I started reading it. And this, this uh, book was, it talked about uh, like wake up habits as a way to change your life or to make yourself more productive and give yourself a better frame of mind to tackle each day. And part of the habit is actually waking up and reading, among other things like uh, meditating or 
doing some exercise. Reading was one of those things. And after reading the book, you know, I tried. I tried this, this habit because I wanted, you know, to be fresher each day. And I haven't stopped. It's been like over a month, like about 60 days. And I'm just like waking up, uh, meditating, get, get some water. And I sit down there and I read for about 15 minutes. And it's making me considerable progress. I think I finished about two books since then. David and I will be chatting about two books. I'll be sh- uh, chatting about Show Your Work by Austin Kleon. And I'll be doing The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen R. Covey. So I came across this book while watching an Ali Abdal video. He is a productivity YouTuber on uh, YouTube. Um, you got if you're into you know that section of youtube you've you've more than likely heard of him he as people sometimes people call him a productivity monkey i cannot uh i won't comment on that but i respect his work i think they do really grinds he really grinds yeah i mean i'm not even in like the productivity scene of youtube i just like recently picked up notion and i was looking at some tutorials and that is one of the few names that i saw of the time i don't know oh yeah it's just there So thank you to Ali Abdel for, you know, recommending not only Notion, but this book as well. So the author of today's book is Austin Cleon. He is, I couldn't find that much info about him, but he's an author who writes about creativity in today's world. He started off, you know, with a blog when he was in university and which progressed to the next two, three years. If I'm not mistaken, he wrote his blog part-time while he worked part-time at a library. And from then on, he transitioned full-time to not only writing books, but, you know, fully writing on his blog and, you know, building a very good fan base, per se. So the main, so the whole reason why I'm recommending this book to you guys is that this is honestly a book that I truly believe is for everyone. Today, I will be sharing three key takeaways that I've, you know, learned from this book. So my first key takeaway I took from this book is that You don't have to be a genius to show your work. You don't have to be a genius. You don't have to be a guru. You don't have to be a master. You, a big, even you as a big beginner, can share your work. In this day and age, the only way to find your voice is to use it. Especially like in this age of the internet, a lot of people, unfortunately, and somewhat rightly, might say that if you don't share your work online, it doesn't exist. And the only way to find your voice with your work, with anything that you do, is to use it. You have to post your things online. And like, like I said, you don't have to be a genius. You can just post it at every step of the way. Nowadays, being an amateur can honestly have more advantages than being a professional. Because let's say if I were to start drawing right now, I can barely draw a straight line or a you know perfect circle. Okay. And if I were to start drawing or illustrating, it's not going to be the best thing ever. If I immediately start comparing myself to the greats like Leonardo da Vinci or even any digital artist I see online, of course, it's not going to be the same. But I have to remember, there are other people in my exact position as well. Other people who are just starting out, who've just started picking up a pen. And although the work I put out might not be great, I've sort of put it out there and... I've, it's sort of something that not only I can learn from when I put it out there, but other people might learn from as well. Although, of course, in terms of skill level and all, there is a gap between an amateur, just a beginner, and a professional. Most people would say that the real gap is between doing nothing and doing something. 
you're depriving yourself of more or less everything when you don't do anything at all. Of course, we're amateurs in the beginning. We're gonna uh, when we start, we're gonna suck. But at least you started something. I think there's so much there that we can unpack. I think that's a very like high leverage sort of situation, you know. You can do something, you can like put your heart and soul into doing something and be very happy about it. But people outside of your circle of like influence are aren't really gonna know. Like, you could be president of like 16 clubs and then uh, run 70 events throughout the course of an entire year and no one will know except for the people who've seen you there. Like employers aren't gonna see that. Or your friends from primary school aren't even gonna know. <laughs> so it's, yeah, I I get where it's coming from that uh, if you don't share your work, no one really knows about it. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I I personally feel that it's quite hard to share like the stuff that I do, because sometimes it just feels like bragging. <laughs> I understand that the things that I've done in the past, I've made mistakes, and then I have produced results that are maybe not as good as I would have liked, and putting it out there just like that is like if it, it feels very vulnerable to put your mistakes out there as is because sometimes i'm afraid like people think you know this guy just isn't good at doing this mm-hmm. but then like i do also understand the importance of phrasing things well mm-hmm. in a way that uh, conveys your message conveys your experience well and it's a fine line between uh, acknowledging mistakes and then Uh, justifying the cause of action, why those mistakes were made, or why this cause of action was chosen, and sugarcoating everything to make it look good. I think there's a very fine line between those two. The second key takeaway is called think process. So a lot of times, why we follow the people that we follow, whether it's you know the famous people on LinkedIn or you know when we watch behind the scenes people for YouTube uh, when we're watching YouTubers and all is that because people like to go on the journey with us it's important to you know share the day-to-day things the day-to-day struggles with people and i think something important as well that was highlighted in the book is that it's important to like become a documentarian even if it's not about you know what you want to He, even if let's say you're becoming a documentarian not to for youtube or whatever in the end what something that austin really highlights in his book is that no one cares about your resume they care about what you've made with your own hands which going through the interview process i did recently when i was applying for a few internships that's something that they asked they actually asked like what did you do like have you been in situations where this happened or that happened like what did you create what situations you know came out what problems you solved with your own hands and mm-hmm. i think you know, having a way to document either by uh, making video recordings of yourself voice recording uh, writing notes writing in a journal writing in like a bullet journal or a daily diary i think it helps you speaking in accounting terms it helps your memories to depreciate less because you might have this like huge vivid memory or something like life changing happened two years ago And if it's like super life changing, you may remember it, that one thing. Uh, but I th- I think two years later you won't remember like what happened the day before, what happened the day after, or the whole mm. lead up to it. So I think having like some way to write down your thoughts, write down your ideas, will keep your past clearer to future you, so you can start to discern or distill, you know, common themes or things that uh, you want to remember in the past or things that you commonly do. Identify your strengths and also identify your weaknesses. So I'll move 
move on to my final key takeaway that I want to share with everyone is that it's something that's very important is to tell good stories. So in the book, um, Austin wrote that, okay, he gave a scenario. Let's say you're in an art museum and across from you, you see two identical paintings. They both have the same boats, number of boats. They both they both have the same sunset at exactly the same place. They have this ex- and you go closer to inspect, and they have the same brushstrokes. Every single thing is the same. How are you going to differentiate between the two? So, what if I told you that the first one was uh, painted by a Dutch painter in the 17th century on his voyage, on his way back home after a 50-day trip? Okay, you'll have your thoughts on that. And would your thoughts on that be different if I said, oh, the uh, painting B is a forgery. An art student at a local university uh, just painted it for fun or just painted it exactly. So our interpretations, I guess, and our views on those two paintings will be different, even if they're technically exactly the same. So the value we associate with that is different. So for us, I think for many people going for it, in the end, it's important to know what a good story is and how to tell one about your own work, whatever that is. Like you broke your water bottle. If I were to let's say, give you the next day after you broke your water bottle, a brand new Jacob's water bottle, it still wouldn't be the same because you've already created and associated a story with that specific water bottle. It's been with you every day, every night in your room. So that's sort of why that's sort of the importance of telling a story because you know in the end it's a lot more humanizing to not only us but to everyone around us when we can associate stories and connections and feelings and memories or you know just history behind a specific thing i guess with the work that we do the work that we want to show it's the experience that we've had that with the work that we want to show and the the experience the story the history with the work itself that people connect with as well. I think this is why like Austin wrote this in this in the book, we have to give meaning and give story to it. So, my dear audience, that's it from me about my book, Show Your Work by Austin Cleon. Okay, right. So I think it's my turn to get into my recommended book. So I yes. guess we should introduce it. It's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen R. Covey. And it's quite a popular book. I'm sure that some of you may have heard of it before. Yeah. And it's uh it basically talks about uh how being effective or having getting the best out of the work that you do or the life that you have is a deep very deep seated thing that comes from comes from within, comes from who you are and the habits that you have and the things that drive your life. And if you want to improve your life in a certain way, you want to be more effective, you want to get more results or just feel better in general, there is no quick quick fix sort of way. You know, everyone can tell you what to do, but no one can make you do it. And even if people can make you do it, they can't make you do it happily. Mm, if especially true. if it's not in uh relation to your own character or your own personality. So the seven habits of highly effective people is pointing towards these uh more deep-seated habits that will groom that may groom you to be a more effective person to achieve more and to be more satisfied with the things that you do. So the key takeaways from this book I find I found that this book like straight up just called me out man. 
How oh, bad was the whiplash? <laughs> Quite intense. <laughs> because there are some things that I just accept as you know part of my part of my life. That's, that's who I am. You know, sometimes I I can't spend a lot a long long time doing work, or I tend to get distracted at times while working on let's say a very difficult chapter of uh, a lecture. Like, you know, I get stuck and I'm like, okay, maybe I need a break. I need to go take a breather. And I go uh, uh, look on social media, watch YouTube, and I stay there longer than I should. And so the first chapter of the book kind of hit me. The first and the first two chapters of the book hit me quite hard. The first one, and this one of the key takeaways, it's proactivity, being proactive. And it's the notion that the amount of things you take responsibility of in your life determines the amount of power or control you have over your life. Because very, it's very easy to say things like, "Oh, because it's not my fault," or "It's because I don't have the right uh, toolkit," or maybe it's just you know because of someone else that I feel this way. This person made me angry. Blame <laughs> a bad craftsman blames his tools, <laughs> and I feel like. That is a very hard thing to accept because sometimes we are just in a really bad spot in life, or we just are not feeling very good, or things have have happened to us that make us uh, feel very uncomfortable or make make us put us in a position where we don't want to be. And after reading this book, I start to think, okay, maybe I've been falling behind by one week on my classes because of. The have the things that I'm doing or how that I'm tackling things. Sometimes I just think I this lecture is hard, or my time management is not good enough, or like I my brain is unable to digest things at this rate. Like I just blame my physiology rather mm-hmm. than the things I can change. Yeah. And I realize that feeling that awareness suddenly of. The things that I could be doing to achieve the results that I want, but then I chose specifically not to do those things. That that you know, I just feel like oof. Mm-hmm. If I want to finish my lectures within the same week, I just need to set some time and just do it. You know, turn off my phone. If I get stuck, then take a controlled break, and you know, take five minutes, take a rest, and go back to what I'm doing. And it's definitely very possible to, to, you know, finish my classes so that I can, you know, have some relaxation at the, at the end of the week. But mm-hmm. I realized for the past like month before that, with online classes and you know the difficulty of adapting, that I've just you know accepted that this is how online classes work. You know, there are a lot of distractions at home, and <laughs> it's very, it's very easy to get distracted. It's not my fault. But then accepting that is completely my fault. <laughs> it hit me quite hard, but also you know started me on uh, a change in approach to seeing that I am where I am because of the decisions I've made in the past, and I think that's the first step to making better decisions. So that's the first key takeaway. Then the second key takeaway is the second chapter, the second habit. I'm just gonna go over like the first three habits. Okay. So the second key takeaway is um, to begin with end in mind. That's the second habit, and it is when you want to do something, it's important to have 
number one, a purpose, a reason why you're doing it, because then you know how it fits into your character, your personality, or what you want to achieve. Because that it will be linked to the results and how satisfying or how effective the results feel to you. So,、mm-hmm. for example, I think it's very easy to just do things because other people are doing them, you know. And I think it's important to have like this sense of、uh, purpose or direction, so that whenever you do something, you have your own internal compass. So number one, it provides results that you are happy with, that you enjoy, and also it will. Keep you motivated throughout. Like you know, you have something that you want to work towards. So whenever you want to do、mm-hmm. something, knowing what is your end goal, or your purpose, or your direction, or what exactly it is you want to achieve, that clarity is gonna help you be very effective in doing that thing in terms of producing results that you want, and also keeping motivation because you know why why on earth you're doing this. So that's my second key takeaway. And then the third key takeaway actually is、uh, is the third is the third habit. So these are, these first three habits are more on like personal development, which hit me the most. And the third one is putting first things first. And Kobe、uh, explains、uh, kind of framework of time management or self management in a way that makes it possible to practice the first two habits of being more proactive in the things that we do. Or having more direction, or having the sense of direction more prevalent in our lives. I know there's a very common.、Uh, I I think you can relate to this, but sometimes it just feels that we have so many things due at the same time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>、like、yeah. Especially in AS.、Huh, yeah, so we have deadlines coming up. We have、uh, lectures that we need to do. We have a tutorial coming up like three hours from now, and your friend is calling you to have a chat. <laughs> and There are times that we get very swamped in our in our day to day life, tackling things one by one, and it's very hard to take proactivity when our schedules are all defined by the emergencies that we need to deal with. So as、uh, Kobe goes over the books,、uh, it goes over the framework of four quadrants of activities in terms of whether they are. Urgent and whether they are important, so then、uh, it enables you to take more control of your life. By, for example, the focus is on the quadrant two, which is the not urgent but important things.、Mm-hmm. Because once you start taking care of the non-urgent but important things, they're important, so it does give you like、uh, good results, like valuable, effective, and relatable. Feel like it gives you a sense of achievement. And you're doing it while it's not urgent, so that it doesn't like pile up when you it's suddenly due. So it, it it gives you the framework to free up your life, or free up your time, and also、mm-hmm. produce results. So it's it's a longer term thing, but I think that is what helped me a lot,、uh, especially coming into like the peak assignment periods where I had not only like my assignments, my lectures, but also some club stuff that I was dealing with at the time. So I think、uh, this key takeaway, if you if you read the book, he also goes over a time management like strategy,、uh, weekly time planning, which I have been using actually、uh, for over the course of the last like like since November. And having this、uh, strategy 
which is you know have a weekly schedule at the start of the week to plan what you're gonna do each week, set goals that you want to achieve throughout the week, and stretching out your time, looking forward a bit, and doing the important things that mean before they are urgent. I think it has helped me to balance a lot of things in my life. So these are the the first three habits of the book, which I found like very 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 valuable. So the first one is being proactive. The second one is having a clear purpose or end goal in mind when you're doing something, and the third is putting first things first and taking care of the important things in your life, even if they're not urgent. Because urgency definitely is is like a drug. You know, you you settle the things that are urgent, and you're like,、oh, okay, fine, nice. Now my plate is clear, and I can relax. The important things or the things that will actually produce results aren't yet done because they are not urgent yet. So yeah, I think those are my key takeaways from the book, and I, I highly suggest、uh, reading it or picking up a copy. And it, it it it's a very good book. You know, I think for most of us, taking that first step of looking at yourself, truly understanding yourself, the areas where you can you know develop further, the areas where you can highly improve on. And in those specific areas, understanding what you can change to get better at that—that's really the first step for the rest of your life. In the end, something you really have to ask yourself with whatever you're doing is, like you said, like you have to know your purpose. What is your end goal? But in the long term, like for long term development or goals, like what do you want, man? And I think that's that can be a hard question to answer if you haven't thought about it a lot. So I mean. My suggestion for whoever's listening, you know, if if this the idea of、uh, life purpose or long term goal scares you, just just ask yourself like, what do you want, man? And, you know, that that is the question. <laughs> that is the question. Of course, this is like the question that everyone's going to ponder on at one point in their life, and this is the question that you know people sell all these self help. Like so many self-help books too, not necessarily the ones that we read, but so many self-help books too. Is that you know, in the end, at the end of the day, you gotta ask yourself like, what do you want, and what is actually like sort of important to you? Knowing what you want and doing things that will lead you there is probably gonna bring you a lot of fulfillment, and it's gonna increase your quality of life a lot. In a sense that you are doing things that that by doing them you motivate yourself. And also, it feels like you are making progress whenever you're doing something, rather than just going through the motions. Because going through the motions, I think, feels easy, and also it 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 does help sometimes to go for those quick fix things that help you immediately become more uh more productive. In at the deepest level, you know, knowing what you want to do, knowing why you want something, and knowing how what you're doing now relates to that. It's gonna give you that, the extra push, to do what you want, to do what you should be doing, because what you are, you should be doing is de- it should be determined by yourself and not by what other people say. And that is fantastically put. <laughs> okay, wow, we we went like really deep into some of this stuff, especially like you know going into you know what is your purpose and like how how. What we really want relates to what we do,、mm-hmm. and I think this thought-provoking element is really what drew me to this book, and which which is why I'm recommending it today. 
So if you want to have, you know, a deeper look into kind of what we're talking about today, I'd suggest, you know, grabbing a copy of the book, uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen R. Covey, you know, giving it a read and see where it takes you and maybe suggest it to a friend and you, you two can discuss it, you three can discuss it, four, five, six, however <laughs> many friends you want to recommend it to. So I think that's all from me for this book. And... I hope you guys learned a lot from this and I hope you guys had fun. Uh, back to you, Arissa. And thank you, David. Yeah, I think like I learned a lot from our discussion of the book as well, like you said. At some points, we definitely did go deep, maybe somewhat existentialist kind of deep. <laughs> <laughs> Questioning, oh, what is our purpose? Not our purpose, but meaning. What do we actually want to do? For all our listeners listening, it, well, it doesn't have to be these two books. It, now, it's more it's easier than ever to read books with your probably your group of friends and discuss them and share them with each other because like we said earlier it's you get to know so many different perspectives from you know reading from reading and sharing with each other and can you imagine me and david had this discussion without even reading the other's book so i've never read seven effective habits and you've never read um, show your work. So, what what do you think the discussion would be if we had read the book? It's probably going to be a three or four hour discussion. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast is already long as it is. Yeah, it's already been like what two hours. Yeah, it's been yeah close to two uh, two hours, if not a bit more. So, everyone, I hope this discussion and this episode has prompted you to be at least a bit more interested in reading. And sort of making time for reading in your everyday life, at least in this aspect. Before we end and before we round off, David and I would actually want to give just a short reading list for you to start. Since it is the summer holiday and it is MCO 3.0, hopefully you, we've, uh, you find time to make time to read these, I don't know, next few books we have on our reading list. So from my end... Although it is fiction, I do recommend reading one of my favorite books ever, which is The Book Thief. So although I know that, you know, self-help books and productivity books, so on and so forth, are fantastic and you get to learn a lot from them, I don't think there's anything wrong. You're not going any lesser by reading fiction. So my favorite book right now, one of my favorite books ever is called The Book Thief. It is a story about a nine-year-old girl in Nazi Germany during the height of World War II around 1939 till 1945. I enjoy learning about this period of history, however dark and bleak it is, and I enjoy the humanizing aspects of this book. So for anyone out there, I I do recommend reading this book. It is The Book Thief by Marcus Zusak. It's one of my favorite books of all time. So David, any books you want to share? Okay, so I'm just gonna recommend a few books that I've been reading recently that are Actually, quite fun reads, or quite useful reads. Uh, number one is the book that I've shared earlier, The Seven, Effect- Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I feel like I've talked about that a lot already. Uh, another one that I found was quite a fun read is um, Never Split the Difference by Chris Foss, a former FBI chief hostage negotiator. So he talks about mm-hmm. like negotiation tactics and the emotional side of negotiation with other people and the way it's presented is there's a lot of stories so even if you uh, if, if you like listen, reading stories or maybe you're not too into negotiation but you want to read some stories about you know high stakes uh, 
hostage situations, that's quite a fun read as well. <laughs> and I think another one would be The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. Now, this book, he talks about uh, the miracle morning. It's a practice that will help you start your mornings a bit fresher, a bit clearer, and it's it's a practice, it's a practice. And Hal Elrod, he's, he's actually quite inspiring, dude. Uh, when, he, he, when he was younger, uh, he, he did this uh, sales job, I think it was called Cutco, and he, he made it really well, and one day he, he had uh, Ford Mustang. He bought his own Ford Mustang at like 20-something. Mm-hmm. And he got into an accident that landed him in the hospital with brain damage and like very, very bad injuries. And he went from that point, like that low point, to a very successful... He has a very successful coaching business and, and consulting. I think it's consulting? And... Mm-hmm. He, he just talks about his journey and it's very inspiring. And the Miracle Morning was one very big aspect of this journey, which is how he sprung back from one of his like lowest lows, which is uh, a practice that will that helped him to start his mornings better by you know reading, uh, meditating, uh, affirmations, exercise. He had there's there's a whole acronym. It's called the Sabers. And I think like for me in my experience, it's been a very good. Uh, way to add these things like reading or other personal development elements into my life and finding time for it. So those are my two recommendations, three recommendations uh, for this podcast. And with that short uh, recommended reading list, we end our podcast, ladies and gentlemen. So before we end this segment, David, is there anything you want to plug in? I can go first, just in case. Everyone, you can follow me on Instagram at Arissa Nordina. That is A-R-I-S-S-A-N-O-O-R-D-I-N-A. I'm not going to tell you my Twitter. Have fun with that. Um, <laughs> you can find me on LinkedIn at Ar- uh, Arissa Nordina Bahari. B-A-H-A-R-I. Three separate words. So add me on there. Connect with me on there. I'm trying to get 500 Instagram followers by the end of the year. So up to you. You like me? Follow me for my content, however sparse it may be. So David, anything you want to plug? Okay, so thanks, Arisa. I think I just plugged my LinkedIn. It's David Sing Chiang Teo. That is David X I N G space Q I A N G space T E O H. So that's my LinkedIn. If you wanna hit me up and discuss, you know, some stuff, anything from this podcast or otherwise, and yeah, I think that that's my plug. <laughs> okay. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we have ended this episode. So thank you so, so much for tuning in to this long and lengthy, but very, very insightful episode. And this is episode five. So stay tuned for episode six, where we are talking about mental health. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, we're talking about mental health. So stay tuned. It's going to come up soon. And in this current climate, all I can say is stay safe, stay happy, stay healthy, enjoy your summer, and good luck for your studies. Take care. Take care. Bye, everyone. Bye.